Hello and welcome to the Kaylee Community Church Planting Podcast. I am Pastor Levi Dugan, the planting pastor of Kaylee Community, and we're just continuing our conversation about practical and theological concerns about church planting, particularly in the context of United Methodism. Uh, you know, I believe that we don't have a good culture of church planting in the United Methodist Church, which is unfortunate because that's who we were known to be in uh, the 18th and 19th century. And sometime in the 20th century, as I've said in past episodes, we lost the spirit, lost the focus on evangelism and reaching new people. And so it's time to kind of get back to our roots of our joy in planting uh, new churches. And today we're going to talk about a particularly important part, maybe the most important part of church planting, which is the issue of relationships. Uh, relationships are key and they are so critically important to the success and health of any organization, period. They're important to the family organization. They're important to a church organization. They're important to business and they're even important to you individually as a human being. Relationships are key. Theologically, you can think about our God who is one God and three persons it's an endless fascination for me to consider that our God uh, would be one, but also three, meaning that our God is by definition communal or in relationship with God's self. That's mind bending, and it's something that we can meditate on for the rest of our earthly lives. But uh, it's something that's so important to consider because relationship is at the heart of what it is to exist. And particularly in church planting, relationships are what make church plants go. Without relationships, there's really uh, no point in even trying to plant a church. Before I became a church planter, I served on the New Faith Communities Committee uh, in our conference. And I found it interesting that we had a lot of church plants that had fits and starts and never really got off the ground. And when I look back and think about why that is... I think one of the main reasons is a lack of networking and relationships. So many of these church planters either were plopped into a context where they didn't have strong roots and relationships, or they were in a situation where they were not actively nurturing relationships. And so I think a, a church plant is basically doomed to failure from the outset if we don't have those existing partnerships and relationships. So I'm just going to give you some practical examples from my own experience. None of this is something that you should necessarily steal and recreate uh, exactly the same way because you're your own human with your own relationships and your own values. But it is a way to maybe get your brain turning over and thinking about what relationships you have. And at the end of this little talk, I'll give you a practical exercise to help you to identify and work on these relationships. So nurturing long-term relationships should be in multiple areas of industry and ministry with as many diverse people as you can. In my own context, I have some examples of relationships that I've nurtured over a long period of time. For example, I've stayed in touch with um, uh, basically an executive level person at the largest food bank in Oklahoma. 
and just maintaining that relationship, even as we were not actively uh, running any food pantries, was important because it made it much easier for us to jump back into partnership as we begin to open our Kaylee store. Uh, that's an open choice referral-based grocery store where folks experiencing food insecurity can come and uh, shop just like they would in a grocery store, but for no charge. Um, and so it was important to keep that relationship going just on the off chance that maybe we might be back in the food insecurity business someday. And here we are as one of our main focuses. No, another relationship that I maintain regularly is a relationship with former employers. Um, I try really hard to to leave on good terms. I have not always done that. Uh, when I was younger, I remember I worked for a very large corporation, and we'd just been through the ringer. Um, the recession of 08 had hit us. We closed a bunch of stores. It was just a bad environment. Everybody was sort of depressed and anxious and stressed out. And I left that experience angry and not on good terms. And I remember even going back a few years later and apologizing to my old boss and just saying, look, I, I didn't handle myself the way I wish that I had. And I'm sorry about that. The good news is that she and I have a good relationship now, but it's only because I recognize that I needed to make that relationship right. I have another relationship where I personally don't think I burnt the bridge, but <laughs> that organization might see it otherwise, where uh, I feel like they burnt the bridge between us. And it was just a bad uh, exit for me. It was uncomfortable and painful. And those situations do happen to us. I think it's important to give ourselves grace that these things come up and um, it's not the end of the world and it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Sometimes relationships are just messy. But I do think that it's incumbent upon us as pastors to try our best to maintain relationships where we can. And it's a big deal if I shake the dust off my feet, as Jesus once said, and walk away from a relationship. That means that it, in my view, it's beyond repair. It's not something that's going to improve or I have just completely lost trust with that individual or that organization. In general, I try to leave it all out on the field and maintain relationships where I can. And so I've maintained relationships with former employers um, just to stay networked, stay connected. Um, I've been able to uh, feed employees to them and say, this person's really great. You should try them out and refer people to them to work. And then they can do the same for us as an organization as well. And so it's a really positive uh, experience. Another way that you can maintain relationships is by focusing on different skill sets in relationships. You probably have friends who know the digital world better than you or the technical world better than you, friends who know construction better than you, uh, friends who are really good at social media may, where you may not be. And this gets into an important point about cynicism and transactionalism in relationship. But before we get there, it's important to kind of sit down and think if you're going to plant a church, you need a network of people, you know, who can do all of those things. Um, it's helpful for you to assess your own strength, the things that only you can do or that you do best. But then it's important to also assess who do I know who does the things that I don't know how to do. 
who do I know who can build uh, ramps and steps and stages? Who do I know who can run Cat5 Cable and set up live streaming and uh, sound production and all of that? Who do I know who can uh, help me with social media or building a website? Who do I know who can help with accounting? And even if they're not the person who's going to do that work for you, it's so fantastic to have subject matter experts who can just be an advisor, basically an informal advisor uh, that can help you when things are kind of confusing or complicated for you. Now, as I said, it's important to take a step back here and look at this bigger picture of transactionalism in relationships you really have to ask yourself a gut level question, which is, am I maintaining this relationship in a cynical way because I want something out of them? You know, it's very possible that you could think there's something they have a value that I need. So I'm going to have lunches, have coffees, make phone calls, catch up with them, even though I don't like them or I don't really want to be in relationship with them. And that is not the way of being that Christ would call us uh, to, to embody. And so that gut level check of making sure that these relationships aren't just for getting something out of people, uh, that's just using people and that's not how Christ would have us be. But it is also the case that you probably have friends who have knowledge in different areas and they're happy to help you because they're your friends and they like you. And the same should be true of you as well. If there's an area where you can help them, you should do that because friendship should be mutual and there should be an even flow of support for one another. My wife uh, used to ask me back in the day why I would waste time having so many coffees or lunches or uh, phone calls with people who really had nothing to do with the work that I was doing at the time. And there's probably a fair criticism in there that I could have done work-life balance better. Um, but in some ways, the chickens are coming home to roost in our church planting situation where so many of these seemingly wasted uh, lunches and, and breakfasts and coffees have come back in the form of amazing uh, support for our church plant. Uh, there's a relationship I nurtured um, that ended with the donation of 115 brand new worship chairs. I don't know if you know the cost on those, but this is something like fifteen or $20,000 worth of chairs. Uh, there's another relationship that result in a donation of you know thousands of dollars of worship equipment. Uh, yet another relationship where they just showed up and just did some demolition work and they were the hardest working person there. And there was no reason for them to come and bust their hiney for our church plant, except that we were friends and we maintain a relationship and he just wanted to see me be successful. So it's a beautiful thing when you nurture relationships and then you see fruit come out of those. And it's important that you don't take that for granted. Um, but that you're appreciative, that you send thank yous, that you uh, try to support those folks in their new situations or changing situations. So nurture the relationship and don't always think about what am I going to get out of it today? Because God will bless relationships if you're focused on loving one another. I firmly believe that. 
There are two important parts of nurturing relationships that I think often get missed by the larger population and particularly by pastors. So if you're a pastor listening to this planting podcast, um, take this personally because you should. (laughs) Before I was a pastor, uh, I worked in an extension ministry that served and worked with pastors. And I found pastors to be some of the very worst people in the world to be consistent, to follow up and to do basic things like answer their email or return phone calls. It was very frustrating for me as someone who was trying to recruit foster parents and find loving homes for kids who didn't have homes that that seemed very central to our mission as Christians and to be essentially ignored by a large number of pastors who were for various reasons, not consistent in following up. Um, That was sort of personal for me, but also just professionally, I felt that had I done that in the business world, I probably would have been fired pretty quickly. And so for me, it's something that pastors, particularly if you're a pastor who doesn't have previous work experience, like working in business or in a nonprofit environment, and you've just come right out of school and straight into pastoring, it can be kind of a challenge to know how to do some of the businessy stuff that's part of church planting. And one of those is consistency and follow-up. It's so important. Number one, when you're nurturing relationships, be consistent. Um, Meet regularly with folks. As I said earlier, even if there's no agenda, even if you don't think there's an immediate need to meet with them, do it anyway. Meet quarterly with people. Have at least one or two coffees or lunches scheduled every week with someone in your network, just nurturing that relationship, even if there's nothing that you get out of it uh, in that particular day. It's just so important to be consistent because that steady flow, that regular conversation that you have in that relationship will bring fruit eventually. God will provide or, or show you an opportunity when the time is right. And so that regular consistency over time is important. If you meet someone and you have a good networking relationship and then you don't call or email or text for a year, uh, that's not going to go anywhere. Uh, No fruit can come from that if you're not going to nurture that relationship. As part of consistency is the issue of follow-up. Follow-up is so important. I learned this in the business world that uh, you have to follow up and really stay on people to achieve results. So if you have goals in ministry, if you need uh, worship equipment, or if you're trying to get uh, slides ready for your worship, or uh, if you're trying to raise some funds, if you just send off an email and then sit back and hope and pray that they're going to respond to you and they don't, Uh, that is not going to be a successful recipe for ministry. If you really want to be successful, you're going to have to um, follow up, put it on your calendar, email someone, wait a week, email them again, wait a week, call them, (laughs) wait a week, text them, right? Find different avenues for reaching them and keep working towards that thing that you need to accomplish. Be tenacious. Don't give up. You don't want to pester people, but you do want to be professional and consistently following up. The same is true on your end. If you say you're going to do something, follow up and do it. Because so often pastors will say, oh, I have a great resource or a book or something for you. And then you never get it. And so if you tell someone you're going to 
share a resource with them, do it immediately, do it right then while they're sitting there or do it as soon as you get home. Consistency and follow-up are so important because they build trust. Those relationships, those folks start to feel like they could trust you because you do what you say you're going to do. And that's so important. So I have an exercise for you to kind of finish out this podcast episode. If you want to assess your relationships, uh, get out a piece of paper or pull out a Google Doc or uh, an Excel spreadsheet and create uh, four categories, zero, one, two, and three. Okay. So you've got your four categories and then down the side, create uh, different categories of people, family, friends, coworkers or colleagues, uh, direct reports, which would be employees essentially. And then also um, just general relationships that are kind of uh, loose. You don't really have a category for them. And then list specific people under each column of zero, one, two, or three. Now the zeros are people who you feel are just hopelessly negative and toxic people in your life who you never seem to be able to get any traction with. When you meet with them, they make you feel worse, not better. And, uh, they may be someone who you see to have burned bridges in their past, uh, who have a lot of, uh, victimization attitude or, uh, everyone's out to get them those kinds of things, or they might just be toxic. They might be verbally or emotionally abusive to you. And so for your own spiritual and emotional health, uh, just, Anybody that's in the zero column, just stop contacting them. Uh, if you can, get away from them. Uh, if there's someone in a work relationship uh, and you're in charge, fire them. <laughs> I mean, work the process, work the appropriate process, but fire them uh, because they can taint an entire staff or congregation. Um, if they're a coworker that you have no control over, uh, then that's a different scenario where you've got to work with your superiors to come up with a solution. If you have people listed as a one, a one is a relationship that's merely transactional. You only hang out with that person because you want something out of them or you feel like they just want something out of you. And those are also relationships that need to be let go. It's not worth spending your time nurturing a relationship that's kind of like a parasite relationship where you or the other party is really just being transactional and cynical. That's not healthy for you spiritually or emotionally. Uh, it's going to taint your ministry uh, by doing things the wrong way. You don't want those relationships in your lives. So anybody you list under number one, uh, I would also try to limit contact with that person. If you list somebody under number two, that's someone that shows promise in the relationship. Um, you feel like it could be a really good relationship. It's one that needs more time and nurturing. So we're going to come back to that one. And if you list anybody as number three, those are your strongest relationships. And those are the ones where you feel like if you had to, you could lay back a little bit. You could follow up less. You could be a little less consistent because it's a strong relationship that uh, can sort of navigate or weather some of the more difficult times as a church planter, you're not going to have a lot of time. And so your number three relationships are people that you can be honest with and talk with, but they also understand when you have to cancel, when you have to postpone. 
So knowing that you might have to flex off your number threes for a little bit when you're planting and flex on your number twos, number twos need more time. They need more nurturing. And so you might meet with them more often and a little less often with your number threes. If you list all the people off that you can think of in your life in these different categories, it will help you prioritize your time and make sure that your relationships are happening for good reasons, for positive godly reasons, and not simply uh, uh, for transaction or cynical reasons. So relationships are key to everything in church planting. Uh, The only reason Kaylee community has even been remotely successful in our first uh, seven months is because of relationships that have been nurtured for years. And on the outside looking in, it might feel or appear like, wow, Pastor Levi, you've really like recruited a bunch of people uh, very quickly uh, in a short amount of time. And the truth is that that's not accurate. What it is, is that I have a, a deep network and that network was sort of already postured to come together. And uh, I'm not bragging by any means because Kaylee community is a small spunky church plant. It's nowhere near being financially independent. Um, it has a long way to go, but I do think having a strong network of people and relationships over years and years has helped to get the planting process moving faster and to get momentum faster And so if you're someone discerning church planting right now, consider that network and do that networking relationship exercise, because if you're missing boxes, if you don't have people in your life who can do construction or uh, digital media or whatever it might be, you need to start finding and building those relationships. It's better to have them before you ever start planting. Uh, Because once you start planting a church, your time will be consumed by so many details. You need strong relationships already in place, already prepared uh, to advise or help do the work. So I hope this is uh, just a helpful, practical episode for you. It's not supposed to be super deep or theological. It's just a way for you to evaluate. If you want to plant a church, do you have the network strength? Do you have the relationship strength? to make it happen.